goblins were awakened. Augie Gonzalez from Hayward, California, um, murdered by police. Um, and so we're going to hear the story and who Augie was and, and what occurred. So we're going to get straight to this interview. And um, first of all, I want to welcome Augie, uh, the spokesperson for um, the Gonzalez, the, the family of Augie Gonzalez. And welcome to Free Us Live. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And so first, I guess my first question is, can you tell us um, who Augie was? Tell us a little bit about Augie, please. Uh, yeah, so Augie um, is, was my cousin. He was the literal funniest person in our entire family. Um, has two beautiful children. Lit up any room that he walked into. Uh, a complete family man. Um, our family did everything together and uh, just always 100% about his children, about his family, his friends, um, and just a hard worker, a working man, a working dad at that. How old was Abby when he was murdered? 29. 29 years old, and, and so, um, and can you tell us, um, what occurred, um, you know, what the date was, where it happened, um, what happened to, to Augie? Sure, so our, our initial findings of what happened, I guess, and, and so much to say was we had received a phone call, um, myself, the police had driven out to Lake of California where my aunt and uncle lived, um, Augie's parents, to let them know that my cousin Augie was in an incident and that um, they couldn't really say much more and that was pretty much it. Um, they had let us know though that he did um, pass though, that he was no longer with us and couldn't give us any more information. So when we asked what hospital he was taken to or, or what had happened, all they said was that he was at his ex-girlfriend's house there was an altercation and, and that was that we asked for like i said hospital information we asked for what time we were told that he passed away november 16th um still with no information they said that he had a knife that he was threatening people with um but unfortunately that's not the case Augie did not have a knife. He did have a small razor blade on him that he used for work, which he had worked that evening. Um, their entire staff always had them. It was less than, I think, half an inch. Um, eventually, uh, we were able to have a services for him. Everything that we had said November 16th. They told us it was in the morning. We found out at 2.30 p.m. later. Um, it, it came to find out later after his services. He actually passed on November 15th. They gave us the wrong date, um, the wrong time of passing. And so we found out later that he actually passed away around 11, 
the 11 o'clock hour of November 15th in the evening. Um, there was a call that came in, as I said, that said he had a knife and he was threatening people. Um, the officers arrived on scene. There were three officers on scene. Uh, there was a sergeant, I believe, that arrived on scene, uh, a woman officer, and then two male officers that arrived on scene. Within seven seconds of arriving on scene, they fired um, 13 shots into Abi. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. No, it's all right. Um, they, like I said, they, they said he had a knife after the fact, after they shot him. Um, according to their reports, it said that one of the officers looked down. The police chief himself told us that he can't see any knife in Augie's hand in the video. That he, he himself can't prove that Augie had anything in his hand. Um, when they found the blade, it was behind his body, not like on his person. Um, they said that he was charging at them, but the video shows him walking with his hands in front of him actually crossed almost as if he was like ready to be handcuffed. Um, so there was no threat. The officer who shot first said that he had no idea that anyone was there to back him up. That's why he pulled his gun out, but this is the issue we're having. There's so many inconsistencies in the story because he also mentioned prior that he knew the sergeant was there. He knew the other male officer was there. You know, he knew everything. And then all of a sudden now he doesn't know. That's why he pulled his gun out. Um, and that's why he didn't use any other use of force. That's why he didn't use anything else. But the dash cam footage also shows that he was driving on scene with the gun already on the dashboard, which also doesn't make sense. So our, our issue is there's, there's so many inconsistencies, there's so many things that, that aren't adding up, and yet the DA is refusing to press charges. Um, those officers were back on the streets in a matter of just days. Um, one of the officers was even on the same street just less than two weeks later, walking out with an assault rifle on the same street. Wow. So, you know, these are issues. Which street was that? Uh, it was on O'Neill in Hayward. That area isn't known to be, I guess, the best neighborhood from what they've told us. They get a lot of calls out there. So, you know, I think they assume that everyone they see in that neighborhood is up to no good, which, you know, isn't the case. And it's not your job to decide that. Your job is to approach the situation, to assess, use your eyes, use your ears, and figure out what's going on. My cousin is having... He, he needed help. He was asking for help. He was having a mental breakdown. Mm. He was crying. And, and, you know, instead of them helping him, they murdered him mm. without, without even an explanation, with nothing. And they showed no remorse towards our family. The city, the, the police, the nobody, the DA, nothing. Mm. And that's real common. I've talked to families where the pigs would uh, actually drive by their house and, and laugh. You know, they're, they're just, they're just in, in, incredibly inhumane in, in the way they act. And um, they taunt the families. They will park across, right across the street from the family's houses. Um, when the mother or siblings of 
those murdered by the pigs will drive to the store. They will follow them for blocks, just letting them know. So um, this is a common thing which you're explaining. Um, I know exactly what you're saying because I've talked to a lot of families who have gone through this and so many report that you're, you're right, that they don't have any kind of consideration for the family. They, they just they go out of their way to, you know, um, do things. Some, you know, one family member told me that the police would, um, the ones that, you know, one of the ones involved in the murder of her family member would actually post um, stuff on Facebook and, you know, um, on the date of the murder and just be like laughing and just um, saying this is a significant day. Just incredibly uh, inhumane um, behaviors. I mean, I don't understand, um, you know, and, and, and it's a sickness, and it's a sickness that um, so many of these uh, have, and it's, it's incredible that they're um, allowed to be like this. But I had a question um, with, with all you did. Was there um, any history of harassment by the police in Nigeria? Did they ever bother him before that? Did they any kind of interactions with him as far as them, you know, pulling him over a lot? Because a lot of times, uh, some families have said that some of the same police who had, you know, harassed the person um, for some time were the ones eventually involved in his murder. Um, well, he didn't have any, any history of that. Um, actually, um, Augie's grandfather retired with Hayward PD. He did many years there, and in his grandfather, they shared the same name, ex exactly. So when they found out the police chief actually worked with his grandfather and he was like they, they knew they knew that our fa they knew this family you know um th they tried to say they didn't the reason they didn't call us was because they didn't know who he was he was at his ex-girlfriend's house there's multiple people who could identify him um his car was there his registration he had his wallet his id so many things so but after the fact, now that this has happened, we're experiencing some of that. You know, um, one of my aunts does still reside in Hayward, and you know that's hard to live in a city where the officers who killed your family member. Um, you know, when I come to Hayward, I have anxiety. I know all my family does, and we've had situations where, at like four or five in the morning, there's officers banging on the door and saying oh we think we heard something outside and j when we're asking them questions they just like don't really know what they're talking about and they don't go to any other neighbor's house they only go to our house or, or things like that um we've been to many city council meetings we're fighting really hard to change some um, protocols in the city and also just to push for an independent investigation for them to look into Augie's murder and there's always officers there and the last meeting we went to they showed up the entire police union the fire fighter union at, at least 20 uniformed officers uh, including the officer who killed my cousin showed up to this meeting the city invited us to this meeting 
disrespected our family to have that police officer there. It was disgusting. It was completely foul for them to do so. Mm. Never in, in my entire life, in our, our entire lives, have we felt so disrespected. And he didn't care. He just laughed. He walked out and he laughed. Yeah, it's, a, it's incredible, and the, the anxiety that you're talking about when you drive through the city of Hayward, um, I would have to say, you know, I'm not an expert, but I would have to say that this is um, a, a, a response to um, this trauma. It's, it's, you know, you're traumatized now. You're traumatized by um, the city of Hayward, um, and so in order to feel this anxiety, you have to have suffered a certain kind of trauma that when you enter the city, it triggers it. And so, you know, I think um, that, and not only you, but like you said, your whole family, I'm sure everybody, all of your family members that, um, that knew this, um, that knew Ivy, I'm sure um, they, um, you know, they're um, experiencing this kind of trauma um, in some way and everybody probably is experiencing different forms of it a and this is something that I think, and this is you and your family, I don't know how many of you are experiencing this, this trauma, I don't know how many are um, experiencing it, but um, I think that um, you know, um, there probably is more than 10 of you. Uh, and if you look at all of the family members across California, across the U.S., who, um, who has um, experienced one of their family members um, being murdered, I, I think that you're, you're talking, we're talking tens of thousands of people who are, um, you know, experiencing trauma. And you know this is uh, this form of repression is um, you know there's probably millions because there's two point uh, two and a half million people um, you know incarcerated in the U.S. So I could you know I probably would bet money that um, each one of their families is you know suffering this kind of trauma in some way, some smaller than others. Of course, when um, somebody's family member is murdered by the police um that's just indescribable trauma and um i think that um this is so we're talking about millions of people who are traumatized by the police and um and this is police terror you know many people have described it as police terror state terror and it's just it's horrible to hear because we don't even know um, what the children or what all these children are going to feel. How are they going to be triggered? Right now they can't even describe it. So there's no even telling how it's going to affect them um, and then affect, get passed down to affect their children and their grandchildren. So <clears throat> if we look at it, <clears throat> you know, um, I think uh, the Rasa community in general um, has been experiencing um, so much trauma and terror, you know, we're talking hundreds of years now um, of, of terror and, and trauma. And, um, you know, so this is um, the situation that we're in. It's, it's just, you know, and, and, you know, um, I, I you know, only, um, 
time is going to tell how it affects you all. It could evolve. You know, you say that now when you drive into the city, it causes anxiety. Well, in five years, we don't know if that's going to increase, or if it's going to decrease, or what. So this is something that this is an epidemic. I think it's a state of, of emergency that uh, so many people um, and their families are experiencing with this police terror and 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 um, police murder. It's 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 incredible. But I had another question. Um, so the police that um, the murder um, army. Uh, were they, do you guys know, were they part of any, um, any subunit within the police department? Like, were they detectives? Were they um, part of the um, task force? Were they um, uh, any kind of response unit that you know of? So, as far as I know, I don't, I don't think so. I know that the officer who fired first. Um, is considered, I think, a training officer with them, and I think that he trains on firearms. Mm. Um, was that the shooter? Yeah, there was two shooters. Two, two, the two men are the ones that fired. Um, and the, the officer who did shoot first has a history with the police department. Um, we've heard from many people he has history of harassment, sexual harassment of the woman within the office. Um, there's a lawsuit previously against him for things like this. They just a list of things that have happened that, you know, he's still a police officer. He's still supposedly protecting and serving this community, but these aren't the kind of people that we want helping. These aren't, this isn't somebody that's going to make anyone feel safe. You know, um, it takes a, a certain type of, of human to sit there and stare at a family of, a, of somebody that you murdered and laugh at them. And for the other officer to do that, it's, it's inhumane. It's disgusting. It's, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a real sociopath to do something like that. And it just, it's, like I said, I, I can't even, like, believe that this is even something that happened to our family in the first place. But then to be so blatantly disrespected, it, there's just, we have no faith. We have no faith in them at this point. And, and rightfully so. I, I think that that's a very logical approach not to have faith in the police when they are terrorizing our community. And they terrorize your family member. I, I, I've talked to... Um, a lot of family members, um, and I've had several on the show that tell just unbelievable forms of harassment, taunting, um, and the murders that is most important, the murders of uh, innocent, unarmed people, um, and, 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 and sadly it's mostly um, inflicted on the brown or black community. Um, you know, and, um, and and that's just you know that that's the reason. But you know, especially for the Chicano people, this has been a form of terror that we've been experiencing since 1848. When um, you know um, the U.S. stole these lands from Mexico, so you know it started with the Texas Rangers in our communities within the Chicano Nation. It also started um, even before that. The police were created; they were actually slave catchers. And they were created more just so they've never really been 
on our side, you know, and they've always promoted, um, you know, um, you know, white supremacy, and you know, and, and so brown and black communities have always been terrorized by the police from the beginning. And um, you know, now nowadays, you know, um, we're starting to see mostly because of social media, we're starting to learn that you know this is not something that's it's horrible about terrorism. And I don't know what higher form of terrorism there is than having your family member murdered uh, for no reason um, by the police um, because we grow up thinking the police are, you know, like you said, here to protect us. And, um, and then we see our family members murdered, friends that we grew up with murdered, you know, um, people abused, it's all over social media, and nothing happens. They do not get committed, uh, convicted, and they um, basically have a license to kill. But but the thing is, um, it, they're not killing in, you know, um, Los Altos Hills or, you know, Saratoga Hills or, you know, in very um, affluent communities. So that's the important lesson that we need to um, remember is that there yeah we, we can't see it as well they you know they kill everybody no they do not kill everybody they're not killing people in the affluent communities um you know they're killing people in our neighborhoods and in our communities and the chicago communities the black communities these are the communities that they're terrorizing so you know and, and even when you know, um, it doesn't really matter um, whether they're white police or, you know, um, black police or who. It doesn't matter because um, the culture, um, um, once they're putting this uniform on, um, many of them, um, you know, will inflict terror on even their own people. So, and we see this with the Border Patrol as well, but, um, so I, I just wanted to say that this is, um, you know, in my opinion, this is terror. This is terrorism. So I don't want to hear about terrorism across um, the the ocean and in other parts of the world. Why do I want to hear that every single minute of the day when we experience terrorism here in the U.S. in our communities? We experience terrorism, um, and this is state terrorism. But um, I had a a question. Um, you know, the police that murdered Augie, um, how many of them was there? Uh, Two officers who filed, fired their weapons. And do you know uh, the officers' names? Yes. Uh, Philip Woolley and Michael Clark are the two officers who murdered Augie. Philip Woolley and Michael Clark. Okay, so these are the two. And what has the DA um, done? Have they filed charges? Are they... What are they saying about it? The DA is not filing charges. Um, she historically has not. She will not. She's very much endorsed by the police union. Um, she's taken large, large sums of money during other investigations with uh, Fremont Police when there was an incident there. Um, she took a, I believe it was like a $10,000 grant from them and then decided to not press charges just a day or so later. Um, you know, she she's given us her report. Um, we just we don't accept it. We we are not okay with it. There's 
I mean, I, I haven't even gone to law school, and I can read the discrepancies in these reports. They're, they stick out like crazy. Mm. Um, we're, we're fighting to push past that. We've been to, like I said, many city council meetings. We've been fighting. We've been asking for independent investigations. Um, at one point, we asked the city to uh, support us in a request to the attorney general to look into Augie's case. Um, it took months, but they have decided that now, with every officer-involved deadly use of force, they will submit a request to the DOJ to do an investigation, starting with Augie's case first, and then from here on out. Which is, technically, we did ask for assistance in that, but that's not the, the protocol that we asked them to change. We asked them to do an an independent investigation from a third outside party and it's not what we got so are we happy with what they did a little bit yeah we they helped a little are we satisfied absolutely not we all know the attorney general can easily just look at the paper and say no a simple email would suffice from the city asking them hey can you look into this would suffice so this isn't something that's going to push through this isn't something that it's taking accountability off the city's hands. Oh, I sent an email. That's it. We did what we could. You know, we've been to so many of these meetings. Uh, you know, we've been treated so poorly by the by the council, by the mayor. Um, we've had great support from Aisha Wahab. She's been pushing for the family and pushing for this third party investigation. Um, but. You know, other members and the mayor have just the city manager, just the city attorney has just like blatantly disrespected our family um, in telling us in these meetings that it's a tragedy all around. Think about how the officers involved feel. Wow. The officers involved, how they feel like you, you murdered somebody. Think about how we feel. You took our family member. Our family, we're, we're a huge family. We do everything together. We're completely broken. Mm. We're two small children growing up without their father, mm. asking questions. How are we supposed to explain to our little cousins that the, pol the police are the ones that did this? My little cousins that are three are asking questions, or when they see police, they're asking my aunts, and they're saying, Mommy, police they kill people they, they're gonna they're gonna shoot us like how do you explain that to a toddler and you know the city the the police department they just don't care the attorney general she doesn't care we're, you know we're just not going to stop fighting we refuse to yeah great and, and you can't stop fighting because um you know the truth of the matter is the, uh, the city council and the City, you know, the police department themselves, the mayor's office, they're, they're not going to help. And so you have to keep fighting. Your family has to keep pushing the issue because um, they're just not going to do it. You know, when um, around a year ago, I worked with the community um, activist organization um, in, in, um, in San Jose, and, you know, we were working with a certain family uh, of um, a family member of theirs was murdered by police. And the city council um, was having a hearing, and the family was going to address uh, the city council. And so, you know, we as an organization at that time um, 
we need to provide security for the family. And you know, some people are saying, well, security for who? Because it's uh, um, it's the city council. It's the city. So why do we provide security for them? Why would you guys provide security? And the answer was, well, because this is the very entity that murdered their family member. You know, they work for the city. You know, they're on the same team. And it's hard for people to get that, to understand that, because, um, you know, the truth of the matter is we're growing up with raised brainwashed. And, and that's, a, you know, I don't know a different way of describing it, but when we rely on an entity that has historically um, terrorized our people, our community, um, for hundreds of years, um, lynched them, killed them, um, just, you know, did whatever they wanted to do and were never convicted in a court of law, then um, to believe or to be taught that this same entity is one that we want to seek help from is brainwash. I mean, there's how else could, you know, and we, it's hard to understand it because we're born and raised into this, but if you were to look to another country and you were to say, okay, in South Africa, um, you know, um, black folks um, were raised to um, rely on the entity of the white government there in South Africa. Um, uh, you know, if they needed help, they called the white police. But this is the police who not only was occupying their land, was not only um, you know, uh, you know, inflicting apartheid, um, you know, national oppression in the form of. Um, racist apartheid um, but these are the same people that they were told to call when you need help call the very entity that is committing genocide against you and stole your land and has you um, in a colonial situation call on them for help so when we look at them doing that we're going to say they're brainwashed how else would somebody call their oppressor to help them um, the same oppressor who has, you know, um, killed their grandparents and great-grandparents and took their land and all this stuff. So this is something that, you know, uh, it, it's a very painful lesson that we learn. Um, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. I know I did. I, I learned the hard way of understanding um, this entity that I was born into. And, 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 and you all and other families like you, are seeing it as well because um, the courts, we're supposed to rely on the courts, but the thing is the courts never prosecute these killer cops. So um, they're telling us that they are on their side. Why else wouldn't they prosecute them unless they're on the same side? So, um, you know, the court system, um, it doesn't work, it doesn't work um, when we are terrorized as a people. We see the, the small children right now, babies, they're being held in cages in these ICE detention centers. And, you know, and that too is a, a, a stark example that um, how could anybody be okay with that? Like these are children, two, three years old, held in dog cages. And yet, um, you know, and they're dying in there. And so, you know, there's so many examples for us to understand that the courts, that we can never rely on the courts. And I think that um, what you said, that you're still, you and your family are still struggling, I think that's very important. Um, 
and, and, and I think that's the only way that there's going to be justice. I think that the families, me personally, I feel that the families of all police who, uh, people who have been murdered by the police um, need to um, come together in, 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 a, in a coalition, um, maybe even not just across the U.S., but perhaps um, outside the U.S. as well. Uh, maybe a coalition of um, you know people murdered by police around the world, and um, and then you know um, I think that um, I think that you know there will be pressure once um, uh, you know something bigger is created, um, and, and it's important for families even in the area, even in your city, in your county, um, and, and even in Northern California or in California in general. Um, to begin to come together um, in, in order to go to the state capitol and apply pressure um, and go into the streets and, um, and link up with these other organizations, community organizations, political organizations, and, um, and, and, and just really address this situation because, you know, there's a lot of issues to address. There's... Um, you know, um, some people are, are doing the minimum wage, some people are women want equal pay, and all of them things are good, but I think that, in my opinion, one of the more and even important issues than that, more important than minimum wage, more important than women need to have the same pay as men, I think the most important um, issue right now is people's family members who are being murdered by police. How, what more of importance do you want when your loved one is getting their life taken away? So I think that, um, you know, I think this is a, a you know, message to community organizations and political organizations that, yeah, there's a lot of issues going on, but I don't see a bigger issue than, um, you know, making these police, um, you know, being held accountable for murdering our friends and family members um, unjustly. So I think that this is something that, um, you know, I, I think this is more important. And I think that um, all families and all community organizations need to come together to push this um, um, above and beyond many other issues that are being pushed. But um, with that said, we're going to take a short break and listen to uh, some music, and then we'll come back uh, and continue with our interview. And, uh, and we'll be back in a minute. This is KEXU 96.1 FM. You're listening to Free Aslan. Yeah, yeah. He, one of the officers blamed the wildfires. That's why he, he couldn't see, so that's why he shot his gun. Yeah. And it's on YouTube. The video plainly, plainly see that on YouTube, all he can do. The video that you just had. Just 
But we'll talk about it. Yeah, it was. We have not. We have. We have not watched it. The rest of the family. I think most of the family has seen it. The two of us have. Basically, okay. Nine one one. Another thing I want to do is we're shooting. Nine one one needs to be abolished. People should only call. Nine one one. We'll do eight one one for emergency. Just to get nine one one abolished. And and because people can do for a medical emergency when they call that, but we don't want the police called to anything. And so. Um, we, need, we need to rise up. Was there an audio or video? Yeah, it's all it's all um, audio and video. Yeah. Oh man, the cop is like he has his gun out. You can see his gun out, and he's all, yeah, we got him. Before he hops out, it's, it's all on him. So he hops out, and then without within seven seconds, they shot him thirteen times. Did you get the back? back on them and just like give them the cold shoulder like this this cold then um what else was it yeah seven within seven seconds they, they shot him so 911 abolished and isn't that funny how 911 um, happened at twin towers and all that this is something that 911 is a part of them you know the, the federal government the ones that are trying to argue this the police departments are just a little puppets of them. And this is KUOT 9615 Listening to Hank Aslan. And we're back here uh, with the family of Ali Gonzalez. And, and once again, welcome to Free Aslan. Thank you. And um, and, and I had another question um, concerning, you know, we're talking about Ali Gonzalez, who was murdered by the
uh, police. And, um, and and so I had a question. Um, um, on the autopsy report, um, have you, the family, uh, seen the autopsy report of the murder? No, we don't. We don't have any access to to see any of that at this point. Um, we do have some notes from what our lawyer has investigated. Um, we have some notes on how many entry wounds and things like that, but we won't have access to that as of right now. It looks like maybe we'll get that access in January. Um, at one point, we were supposed to get it in November, um, and it got postponed. So we're still um, waiting to hear back on that. Mm. Yeah, and and since you first requested it, how many? How long has it been? Well, we've we've been pushing and, and fighting since Augie passed um, last November. Our yeah. first city council meeting we went to was just I think two, maybe three weeks after. Um, so we've we've been asking for this information since then. And, and a lot of families, you know, there's families that have been waiting years for the um, actual autopsy report. And um, that's one of the ones, one of the reasons they they don't um, turn it over is because they cover it up for as long as they could. And then they wait till um, the incident is no longer fresh in the minds of the community. Um, so that when they finally do release it, their hope is that um, all of the... Um, you know the anger and the frustration um, has died down, and, and that's one of their tactics. It's almost like a, like um, um, you know when they, um, you know they in football when they um, ice the kicker. You know it's almost like icing the kicker where um, you know you 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 um, put it off, and you know when they're when everybody's passionate and everybody's you know, angry, they're frustrated, and they're, you know what, we, we, we want it now, and then they they stop it, and then they wait until, you know, things die down, and then people lose their, you know, um, their, um, their determination. And so that's why it's important, I think, that um, the family continues, and, and, and I see that your family is organized, and you do have a page for Augie, and you all um, continue to um, raise um, awareness around him, around the murder of Augie. And that's very important because um, without that, even if, you know, tomorrow the state would turn over evidence showing, you know, um, complete contradiction, which, which they are at some point, but, um, you know, if, if even the family is not pushing, then um, there's really going to be no change in... And, and no um, repercussion to, to what occurred. So, um, you know, the family, you know, you guys are Augie's um, fiercest fighters. So, you know, I think it's very important that you all continue and, and you guys are, you guys are, you know, and you guys are here as well. So, but I had a question. Um, is there any footage on what occurred to Augie, um, the murder of Augie? Is there any footage of that? Yeah, so the police department released that footage. Um, they were very strategic about what they did. Um, they really did their best to write their own narrative on yes. what happened. Um, we actually were out of state when they called um, my aunt and uncle to let them know that they were ready to show us the video. 
Um, no, and, and they did know we were out of state. Um, we were in contact with them. Our lawyer was in contact with them. And basically what happened was our flight was coming in on, I believe it was a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, and they said that if nobody was here to see it, that it would be released to the public on that Friday. So my aunt and uncle had to pay for a ticket to fly home immediately um, in order to have this sit down with the police department. The video that they released though, as I mentioned, to change the narrative of things because the person who called the police on my cousin was a neighbor of his ex-girlfriend. Um, and they were in an altercation. Um, and he's the one that called and said that my cousin had a knife on him. And that he was threatening him. And that he was scared and whatever the case was. Well, they pulled footage from the apartment complex and it shows, and this is what I say, the police didn't have any, any knowledge of what was happening prior to what? to them showing up on scene they have no knowledge of anything so they're posting this video and, and my cousin and, and this neighbor were in a physical altercation they were fighting mm. but what the video shows is that that neighbor came after my cousin first that neighbor came after Augie first mm. that neighbor hit him first they fought mm. for 20 minutes mm. they fought so much that they took a break Augie tried to leave multiple times. He walked away multiple times, and this neighbor continued to go back for more. He continued to provoke him and bring him back. And then when the cops arrived on scene, pointed him out, saying, this is him, this is him. Wow. He, he delivered a death sentence for my cousin. Oh. Is and he still his neighbor? He's the neighbor of his ex-girlfriend. Yes, still and he's still there. And... The problem is, is you call in a, a false 911 call, and then the police are using this video as a narrative to be like, well, there was fighting, there was something happening, so we had to protect the community, but there was no, nothing violent happening that that needed to be lethal, that there was no lethal force necessary. Augie, like I said, he tried to leave so many times, and they wouldn't let him leave. If he would have just let him go home, we wouldn't be in this situation. We wouldn't be sitting here right now with you guys. You know, the, the police officer said that he fired his gun, as I mentioned earlier, because he didn't know he had backup was one reason. Another reason was because um, he was scared because Augie was supposedly charging at him, which the video shows he wasn't. And another reason is that the California wildfires were so bad that he couldn't see, so that's why he fired his gun, which, number one, the video's clear as day. Mm. It was nighttime. There wasn't much smoke out there, so... Did you shoot at something you can't see? Exactly. Mm. I don't know uh, what your question. training looks like, and this is an officer that is a trainer that teaches people in the police department how to use their firearms, and you're using the fires as an excuse, but... You don't shoot blindly. I have not been to the police academy, but I am a sociology major. I take, have taken many criminal justice courses, taken so many classes on things like this. I, we know police officers. We know, like I said, Augie's grandfather retired there. You do not ever, under any circumstance, fire your gun if you cannot see. You're shooting blindly. There are people in that neighborhood. There's innocent bystanders. 
Augie's ex-girlfriend was standing just a few feet away from him. You want to use another excuse was that they wanted to protect her. They wanted to protect the neighbor. But if you weren't trying to protect them, would you have fired their gu your gun blindly? It just, none of it makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because it's incorrect. And, 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 and that's one of the things is something that is not true is not going to make sense. It's, you can't make sense of something that's incorrect. And, and so it's never going to make sense. It's never going to make sense um, why they shot him so many times, um, you know, when they shouldn't have shot him at all. They could have maced him. They could have hit him with a beanbag. They could have um, tasered him. I mean, it doesn't make sense why they fired their weapon once. It doesn't make sense why they fired their weapon 13 times. Um, it doesn't make sense why the DA is not filing um, charges against these pigs. It, it doesn't make sense because it's incorrect. And, and, and so, you know, it's never going to make sense. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. So, um, so the footage, um, is it accessible? Can people see the footage? Yeah, so, so um, thanks to SB 1421, we were able to request um, all of the footage and audio and things like that. So it is available. Uh, people can either request it themselves through the city of Hayward. Um, it is up on YouTube. If you search um, Augie Gonzalez of Hayward, California, um, there's news stations that have been playing it, um, different outlets we've done some interviews with a few different stations that that have uh, shown that footage so it is available um i believe we also have it posted in the news station posted on our facebook page for augie and that's uh justice the number four augie augustine gonzalez um so it is accessible there as well mm. yeah incredible and and can you talk to us about i know when you said when Augie was murdered that it, it originated from this call from a neighbor um, who called uh, 911. So 911, a lot of people, and we see it on social media, people call 911 for help or, you know what, my son is, you know, he's mentally ill, he's going to, or my uh, nephew or what have you, and the police show up and end up murdering the person. I know, um, you know, um, magazine where we um, you know broadcast this radio station um, talks a lot about you know uh, 911 is you know when you call 911 um, it often turns out bad and and people that don't know that and, and but once again we, we cannot hide the fact and, and I know it's awkward it's it's uncomfortable to address and a lot of people don't like to address it the facts are that if we are in an affluent community, we can call 911 and it will end very nicely probably. Um, but because of brown and black communities, uh, the his history of national oppression uh, it, within the Chicano nation, within the black nation, um, the history of terror that we experience in our communities, if you call 911, it's gonna often lead to somebody being ending up in a hospital due to police brutality or somebody being murdered uh, and or both 
Um, so, you know, the thing about 911 is, you know, um, I don't know, but in my house, we have a, a policy of no 911. It's forbidden, and, and you know, and it's for good reason, because um, I don't know anybody that I grew up with that has had a good experience with the police, period. Whether they're in a gas station, on the street, you know, if they're at work, it doesn't matter. The interaction with the police is always negative uh, to everybody I know, grew up with, family members, and I have about 200 family members uh, in San Jose. So uh, I have a lot of family and they've all had a negative, very negative um, interaction um, with police. I had very negative interaction with police. I've seen my parents beat, um, you know, beat up by the police. Um, I, I mean, I grew up seeing my cousins beat up, um, took it away. Um, I have never had a good interaction with the police in my life. So, um, you know, it's very important that, you know, a lot of people don't know they have me, maybe they never interacted with the police. And so they, um, you know, due to the brainwash camps that we call schools, we grow up thinking that the police are good, uh, you know, benevolent entities uh, when they're, you know, they're out here terrorizing our community. So, you know, 911 is not good. I don't, um, you know, subscribe to that. I don't, you know, I, you know, like I said, in my household, there's a policy of no 911. You know, we call our family members to come and, and break up a situation or, you know, to um, act as mediators or what have you. But, um, you know, some people don't know so what, what do you feel about 911 people who call it or is it a good resource uh, how do you feel about this 911 now that um, after what has occurred well as you said here's the thing it, historically it the police haven't necessarily been for all the people I mean as you said earlier um, originally police officers were meant to control slaves um, we have issues with redlining. Um, we're putting people of color in these communities specifically because we want to segregate them from different areas. We, because you know the how do I say the the better communities to. And say, I just say you know, better the white community, the white oppressor nation. Absolutely. So you you have these white communities and we're redlining. We're putting these black and brown and people of color. Into these other communities, which is which is more cause for these officers to patrol those areas and and single out those areas. And you know, you call nine one one, but what you don't realize is is these officers don't have the training for these situations. You're calling nine one one for somebody that my sister went to school to do hair. She had to go to school longer than these officers had to get trained for mm -hmm. to do hair. Oh, and that you know? is true. Absolutely. It, it, it makes zero sense to have somebody come to protect you, to help you, when they don't even have that training. You call for a mental health crisis, and they send these police officers. Well, guess what? They don't have training on that. They probably watched a video online, maybe. Um, I, I know I'm guilty of it through my job. I, I get training videos, and, and I get bored, and I, and I click through. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy mm -hmm. to do that. <laughs> it's very easy to do that. We don't have proper training for these officers. Absolutely. We shouldn't have to call 911 when we need help. Mm. You know, it, Oregon, it, as, 
a small example does a thing. Um, I just want to clarify though that Oregon is, is a predominantly like, white right. state. Absolutely. So the situations are significantly different. Yes. This is just a, a very baseline idea that, that I've seen from that community is because what Oregon does is they have a, a phone number that goes straight for mental health calls. Mm. So in situations, they don't call 911, they call this, they have a mental health crisis team come out to these situations. Mm and they're the ones that handle it. They're the ones that de-escalate it. And these are people that have been through schooling for this, people that have, have studied this, that, that have the proper training. Mm. You know, this is something that we need to roll over into, into all of our communities. Mm. Um, like I said, the, the communities there are, are dominantly white. Their, their crime is a lot lower, so it's yeah. you know much easier said than done, but people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to push for that. But if we can get enough people to push for that, we can make that happen. We can make it to where, instead of calling 911, or e even if, let's let's just pretend for a minute that you still call 911, but this mental health crisis team that has nothing to do with the police department, absolutely zero to do with the police union, comes in on those calls instead. And only them, not the police officers, because obviously that's not working. We have the, you, people are worried about uh, the, supposed war on cops what about the war on us yeah. what about the war on the people of color what about the uh, war on us as people uh, you know it, it you have these officers that have these complex they think that they're superior to you they think that they're better than you and like i said you they're not 90 percent of the time i've done more schooling than 90 percent of these officers you know you, you're not putting in the time to get to know your community or to even take the time to assess the situation you know it, it just we can't continue to have these people protecting us mm. because they're not doing anything but hurting us mm. they're making things worse Absolutely. And we, if we stop going to them and start pushing for like our own self then maybe our communities will be safer Absolutely. You're so worried about calling the cops, but they're they're the ones causing issues. Mm -hmm. They're the ones with these pretextual stops stopping you for what? Oh, your tail lights out, even though it's not. Yeah. Because you look suspicious. I've seen many documentaries of police officers pulling people over because they're saying, "Well, that person just looks guilty. I know it." Mm. Well, how? Did they do something? You don't they're have probably, the proof. They're probably brown or black. Exactly, and they can't prove it. You have, like, and the best part about a contextual stop for them is they don't have to explain themselves because they just click a button that says for a tail light, for tags, or for speeding, or, or running the stop sign. It's always something small. Mm. And then what happens is, is people don't know what their rights are. They don't know that they can't say no. You can say no. Mm. When you get pulled over for your taillight being out and the officer is asking you questions and wants to search your car, guess what? You can say no. But the communities are so scared. They're scared for their lives. And they don't they don't think. They think they have to say yes because it's people who are in authority. Well, guess what? You don't have to say yes. You can say no and you can leave that situation. You have every right to do so. Mm, absolutely. Beautiful words. And, and and yeah, and I can say it one last time, that is 
the white community, the white oppressor nation. But no, but um, absolutely, and, and you know, war on cops is ridiculous. I mean, these people have terrorized us uh, since 1848. Um, it, it's incredible that they, but that's a process of propaganda where they, um, you know, they try to reverse everything they're doing and say that we're doing. Um, but they're the ones in power, they're the ones that pull us over, like you said, and say that our taillights out when it's not. You know, they pulled me over saying I ran a stop sign when I didn't. They've said that I ran a red light when I absolutely didn't. Um, you know, even sometimes I get pulled over coming over here to do radio, and they say I switch lanes without a blinker when I know I did not because I see them behind me. And so I'm trying to do everything uh, that I could, and I still get pulled over and, and, and harassed and all that too. So we, we experience all of that, and, and like you said, I, I like your example different um, crisis groups and um, that's a form of community control and at one time um, there were communities that did you know do that and and there are some that are um, um, doing it when it in regards to the ice terror you know when the ice um, immigration go to houses they have something called Nidra watch and this is a, a group of people who are alerted on the phone and they're given the address in their area, and they're told the ICE is here, um, you know, and, and the team dispatches, and these are all volunteers, people in the community, um, and they will go out there and they will film and record and document and help um, translate and help the people that are being terrorized. But we need that when it comes to the pigs, you know, we, we need that. You know, back in the days uh, here, we're here in Oakland, and one of the things that um, the Black Panther Party did was they used to do the cop watch where they would drive around and when the pigs would pull somebody over, they would um, go on the scene, they would document, they would, um, you know, and they were armed as well because the police are armed and, and, and you know, and so they would show up on the scene armed in order to do, as you said, uh, a crisis response. Um, and that was a crisis um, um, to because of the police, because the people are in crisis when they're interacting with the police, at least brown and black communities. So this is one of the things that, that was uh, initiated um, back in the day, but I think I, I agree with you that we need um, to form these um, crisis teams uh, now in the community, and you know, and, and we don't have to get licenses, and we don't have to. Uh, go by the state. We can do things independently and grassroots. We can form these organizations that um, have uh, unity with different groups and different community members all over the city and everybody can volunteer as a crisis unit. Um, people can take the, the information to events. People can go door to door and pass out the flyers. Um, go to um, the brown and black communities of course. The, um, the, the projects and the neighborhoods and the barrios and go door to door and pass out this these flyers saying if you have an issue, a situation, call this crisis hotline. Um, don't call 911. You know, call this crisis the hotline and the people themselves come, back, come out in teams in order to help alleviate a situation and mediate. And I think um, it's going to take the community um, to do this on, on a big level um, in order um, for, um, for us to arrive 
where um, people do not call 911 anymore. And, and it is possible, and it's going to take years and possibly generations to reach that point, but I think that that's a good idea that people should start now. And um, if they have Libra Watch, and um, you know, um, I, and they do have Cop Watch in some cities, um, but I think these need to be developed on a deeper level, and um, and, and I think they can be uh, developed on a deeper level. Um, but I do agree that uh, calling 911 um, doesn't turn out good for brown and black people. It, it doesn't. So, you know, it's like calling the KKK uh, to come and help brown and black people. Like, what do you, you know, what is going to be the outcome, you know? And this is basically, in my opinion, um, with the police is like um, the KKK. So, I've never had a good interaction with the police, just like I would probably never have a good interaction with the KKK. And luckily, I have never interacted with the KKK, except when they're in the blue uniforms. But anyway... Um, if, if you would, if you, um, if anybody wants to get involved in, in, um, in, in, in the Justice for Augie campaign, um, whether that's volunteering, whether that's helping design the website, whether that is, um, donating money, um, um to the campaign, um, making t-shirts, what have you, uh, making flyers, if anybody would like to volunteer how can they get involved yeah so um like i said if you go on to our facebook page that's justice the number four augie augustine gonzalez um it, it's a pretty open page we um, not only post about augie's case but about other cases and about um, police brutality and just things happening around different communities and, and different areas um, we do have an email as well that is justice for augie at gmail.com and um, you can also reach us at that email as well. Um, and if that doesn't work, then oh, those are the only two. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Um, so you heard it there. And um, is there any last words um, you would like to say um, about? The situation in the world yeah and just to clarify for the email it's justice and it and we do spell out for so justice for augie at gmail.com it's a little different than the facebook um but yeah i mean we're just looking for support we're looking to change not just to do this for augie but for other families we don't want any other family to have to go through this um when i say that we're broken is, is an understatement when i say that there's pain it's an understatement um, you won't understand until it happens to you, but if you get proactive now, then maybe it won't happen to you. Um, fight for it not to happen to you. Um, I mean, I guess that's the best thing that I can say, and, you know, for those of you that, that do support the cops, you know, when you do call 911, think about it. Think about what's happening. Is it really something that you really need to call them for? Is it something that, that you can be prevented like are there other avenues that we can reach because when you call 911 you're putting people in danger you're putting our family members in danger um yeah, yeah. i mean justice for augie justice for augie and and um is there any upcoming events um that you want to mention anything um any court dates any um anything else that we should know about in the near future 
So we will be planning another city council meeting. Um, we're working on that as a family right now, and we will broadcast that all over social media and, and whatever outlet we can. Um, probably in January sometime. We are supposed to go to court in January. We're waiting on some dates. So once we have those, um, if we're able to have public there, we will be posting that for support as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's all we have as of right now. Okay, well, waiting on the letter to the Attorney General. Perfect. And, you know, um, I want to thank you both for coming today. Um, and, you know, CSN always welcomes you and all the families that are fighting for these care. Um, for that land and the Chicano Nation stands with justice for our and for all the families and stands against uh, police terrorism in our community as well. And so thank you all for coming uh, to Free Us Land. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And this is KEXU 96.1 FM. You're listening to Free Us Land. I'm JV and I will see you next week.